Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. On this week's episode, I am thrilled to welcome in Ed Rosich to the program. He is an Air Force veteran, a software company executive with six successful exits for the companies he has been a part of leading, a software company board member, an author, an ultra endurance athlete, and now he's the CEO of Holidays for the Heroes, which is a 501c3 that gets active duty military folks home for the holidays. I'm really excited for y'all listening in on this wide ranging conversation. I've known Ed for many years and always thrilled to get a chance to speak with him and uh, have his wisdom be shared uh, with me and, and now with y'all. So uh, without further ado, let's jump into my chat today with Ed Rosich. Let's get it started. Ed, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Hey, Brian, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I'm so excited to have you on. I've been wanting to have you on here for probably a year and a half or two years. So uh, it's cool to, to finally get you on. And, and one of the things is, you know, obviously you've done a lot of cool things in, in your life. And I want to get into a few of those, especially around kind of getting started, because um, mm. I think, you know, you have a lot of great stories that could help folks. But I actually wanted to start with more present day, because, you know, sure. one of the things you're doing for this holidays for heroes for a lot of veterans, uh, well, not veterans, I guess, you know, active military members, uh, excuse me. Uh, but what you're doing for them, I think is just unbelievable. I'm actually wearing the, you know, my sister-in-law runs the American Pitbull Foundation um, in Charlotte, oh, cool. you know, they, they train dogs for, you know, veterans and stuff. So something close to my heart, um, you know, military and stuff. So it's really cool what you're doing. So I wanted to share that a little bit, because, you know, here you are someone that, you know, you were in the military, but You've been a software executive for a lot of years. You know, you could have rode off into the sunset, probably been fine, you know, lived live on a beach if you want. But here you are trying to put time in and really help out a lot of the these active military members. So my first, I guess, you know, question is why? Like, when did the idea originate? Why was this something that was really important for you? Yeah, so uh, it is a, a winding road how I got here. And frankly, Brian, uh, it was an accident. So uh, I've been very active in supporting uh, military charities over the last several years, usually uh, in association with some sort of ultra endurance running event or triathlon or what have you. And so last year, uh, around Thanksgiving, actually it was Thanksgiving weekend, I was sitting back reflecting about my year and where I put some of my, my resources. And I was like, oh no, I, I have not put one penny into veterans or active duty this year, what am I going to do? Well, I can't run a race. I don't, there's no races in December that I could raise enough money fast enough. How about I just do something silly? And what I ended up doing something silly turned into this viral crazy thing. I ended up going out to LinkedIn and typing in, hey, does anybody know any active duty military folks who might be wanting to get home for Christmas but can't afford the ticket? Um, send them my way. The first five active duty folks that, that get forwarded my way, I'll buy them a round trip ticket from wherever base they're at to home and back. And uh, uh, it, it went totally nutso. Uh, you know, we got on TV, we had all sorts of articles written. Um, you know, my five seats, um, you know, I had a, a friend, hey, I'll, I'll throw in a seat. And then another friend threw another seat in. All of a sudden, I've got seats pouring in, plane ticket seats from all, all sorts of places. Uh, Dude Solutions got involved. And, you know, I woke up uh, somewhere like the 20th of December, and we had gotten 
together as a bunch of people, 65 Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine, Coast Guard folks home for holidays. So after that, I reflected a little bit and said, wow, there's there's clearly a an untapped uh, sort of need here. And, and, uh, and so why don't I legitimize it with a 501c3, uh, not-for-profit corporation. I, you know, I started down that path somewhere in March, it sort of accelerated and lo and behold, right around June, uh, you know, we got this thing off the ground as a legitimate corporation. And you're right now, you know, deep in the holiday, you know, preparation season and, and all goes well. I always tell my folks uh, that, you know, I'm close with, I'll probably get involved in a startup sometime. I had no idea that that startup would be a not-for-profit versus another software company. Yeah. How did you, well, I, I guess maybe this might help folks maybe getting started with a business or nonprofit. Like what are some of the things that, or was there anything new you learned? Cause obviously you have a lot of, again, a lot of years in, in the software space, but was there anything new you learned getting into the nonprofit space that was just like, Oh my gosh, I never even realized that was a, that was a thing. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, obviously going through the, the process, legal process, a little bit different and all of that. But when you think about it, uh, a not-for-profit has a mission, like most companies, right? You, have, you know, the company you work at has a mission. Company of listeners uh, listening to you, they all have missions. And so, figuring out how to raise money uh, and then deliver that money and time and treasure to the mission at hand, whether you're a startup not-for-profit or a startup software company or a t-shirt company, whatever, it's all very similar. Um, I think what I probably underestimated, because I'm sort of a, a one-person army right now, uh, is just, uh, hey, if it's to be, it's up to me sort of mentality. Like, uh, Unlike in my past CEO lives or chief operating officer lives where I've got a large team, I can't just say, hey, Brian, would you take a look at getting that off the ground for me? It's like, you have to look in the mirror every day and saying, go, oh, hey, Ed, you gonna get that thing off the ground today? Yeah. I mean, that's not something uncommon for you, though, because, you know, one of the things I want to talk about, I'm going to skip around here a little bit, was I remember the first time you and I met, we had coffee in your office, and you told me the story about, and and I want you to share it here, around your fitness journey. Because as you had mentioned a couple times already, you do endurance races and those type of things, but there was a time where you felt extremely out of shape, you couldn't even walk around the block. Can you talk a little bit about your fitness journey? Because I think that's a big part of who you are. Um, just share a little bit about that, then we'll go deeper. Yeah. So, uh, you've got a great memory, by the way. Um, so I, I, uh, when I was about 34, 35, probably weighed 60 pounds, 50 pounds more than I do today. And, uh, a little bit of context, my, the males on my dad's side of the family all died young of heart disease and associated challenges. And so, one day I was climbing a flight of stairs and I got to the top flight, uh, one flight of stairs and I got to the top and I'm like, <gasps> you know, breathing hard. And it was like a lightning bolt moment of clarity. It's like, man, I'm on the 50 year out, 50 years and out plan at this rate. And so the very next day I started walking in a, you know, probably uh, fast forwarding a little bit, you know, then I started jogging, I jogged a mile, then I jogged a couple of miles you know, then I did my first 5K and then first 10K and then uh, uh, got a coach and, and actually did a marathon. 
And I remember walking into the office. It was a, at a company I was in, in in Charleston, South Carolina, feeling pretty awesome about myself. And uh, one of the guys in the office who I knew was pretty active. So like me, he goes, oh, you, you did a marathon today, uh, yesterday. How'd you do? Uh, 340, whatever, feeling pretty good about myself. And he goes, yeah, unless you pile a 2.4 mile swim and 112 mile bike ride in front of it, it it's really that doesn't count, you know, even if you did just 26 miles. And so I was like, what is that thing you talk of? And he's like, well, that's Iron Man. And so uh, I was like, oh, I want to do one of those. And uh when's the next one? And he's like, well, I think the closest next one is like in six months. I was like, I'll be ready. So I walk into the local bike shop, told him what I wanted to do, bought a bike, got a swim coach and did an Ironman within six months of my first marathon. And that led to a string of 10, uh, 10 Ironmans. Uh, I then got into ultra running and, uh, you know, ultra races, you know, all the, all start at 50 miles can go to hundred miles, couple hundred miles. Uh, I actually tried to run across the country in 2012, uh, and probably the, the crown jewel of my accomplishments in ultra running is I, I won a 260-mile run across Georgia uh, three or four years ago. Wow. Uh, did you ever, did you, have you ever run across David Goggins on these races? I've never personally met David, but, you know, I, he's run in a lot of races, and I've run some of the same okay. races, not the same year, but yeah. I'm a huge fan of yeah. him. I mean, I'm, he's, I'm, yeah, he's unbelievable. His book was just, just mind blowing. It's just this stuff. Just, uh, he just finished second in the Moab 240 uh, last weekend. Just a killer performance. He's, he's a savage. Have you done that race? No, um, but uh, put it this way, January 1st at 1201, the registration opens for next year. Awesome. That is really cool. Well, I, I want to know, like, where does the motivation come? Because, you know, no one would have faulted you for, you know, running a 5k, lifting a few weights a few times a week. Maybe, you, maybe you lose the 40, 50 pounds and, and you feel good. No one's going to fault you for that. And they'd probably be proud of you for it. Where was the motivation to say, I'm going to start doing Ironmans and ultra endurance races? Like, is that something from your childhood that just was always kind of innate or built in you? Or is that something that came later in life after, you know, maybe being in the military? Like where did that come from? Yeah. So I think, I think it's developed over the course of years, actually uh, silly story, but true story, you know, in high school, you have the yearbook and then you have the other yearbook where, you know, it's sort of the underground thing. I don't know if they still do that. Well, I actually got voted uh, least likely to succeed in high school uh, in that little yearbook thing they do. And so uh, I wasn't always, uh, you know, in a, a person who gets things done and accomplishes, you know, large things. Um, but over the years, what I've, I've sort of fallen into this pattern it's a pattern in business. It's a pattern in sport. It's a pattern in hobbies where it's like, huh, that was pretty good. Uh, you know, the 5k, for example, I wonder if I could do 10k and then how fast can I do the 10k? And then is, what's a half marathon? I, until I reach a point where I've had my butt handed to me, to, you know, like I'm 0 and 10 versus something. Uh, I, I very rarely quit and, and very rarely get bored until I've, I've sort of mastered something, at least to the best of my ability. Yeah. How have you, you know, I, I'm always curious, especially like talking about like Goggins and stuff, like how you stay motivated through a race of a couple hundred miles, because 
maybe it's just me. I get bored running, running a few miles. Like I'm big into CrossFit and stuff. Like I like that activity, but like running is just, to me, it just seems boring. <laughs> Probably maybe I'll change my mind on the road. But like, how do you stay motivated for that many miles? Like, what do you think about? What do you, do you do self-talk? Like how, what, what are you doing? Yeah. So, you know, the, the reality is during these really long races, you know, you get, you get really head bound in your head you know, the, the, the human brain, you know, I've read uh, as 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. And you know, during the course of a long run like that, you pretty much probably double that. But, you know, how you keep motivated is you break that long distance down into very small chunks. You know, I can get to the next rest stop or the halfway point or whatever. But then when you're on like the second or third day of that run, those bite-sized chunks are that white rock up there, I hope I can make it. And if I can make it, I'm going to give myself a bite of this peanut butter sandwich or, you know, every other telephone pole, I'm going to walk and then run, walk and then run. Anything you can do to just keep one foot uh, in front of the other. And you take, uh, you take comfort in those little small victories that add up to larger victories that ultimately get you over a finish line of a 260 mile race. Mm -hmm. Is I think life's like that, right? What's that? I think life in general is like that. Well, yeah, and that's what I was actually going to ask about because, you know, we can relate this to a lot. You know, I always relate to fitness to like a lot of different stuff in life. But, you know, even your journey, obviously been CEO of a, a lot of software companies, helped a lot of them exit. Like there's not, a, there's not many people that can say they've done that. So, you know, did you take that same approach in business was like, hey, incremental wins, you know, and keep moving up, just keep moving forward and, and kind yes. of keep the pedal moving? That's exactly, I mean, uh, constant forward motion is a term that ultra runners use, keep moving forward, keep moving forward. It's the same thing in business. Um, they're trying to get it perfectly right. I'm a big fan of, look, get it 90% right, move the ball down the field, we'll figure out that other 10%, just keep moving. Because if you don't, if you don't keep moving forward, and you take too much time to get it perfectly right, you've, you've lost time opportunity uh, that, you, you know, that competitors may take advantage of or timing in the market may not be as kind to you. Yeah. What would, um, what would any advice you'd share maybe because a lot of folks that listen in are startup founders or entrepreneurs, you know, maybe they're solopreneurs, but maybe anything that you've learned in your, in your years um, to get them going a little bit more um, on their, I guess, to, to get their company, maybe accelerating anything they should be thinking about um, kind of when, when they're, if they're in the early kind of infancy of their business. Yeah. I know you weren't fishing for this, but I'm going to use the title of your podcast, right? As the, you know, as the, the mantra. Can. Yeah. It just gets started. Right. I mean, you keep moving. Um, you know, for example, like holidays for heroes is a great example. Didn't have a logo. All I had was the idea. I then got legitimized as a corporation. Then I started posting on socials to get, get things moving. I didn't have, you know, the website necessarily done. I didn't have any of like Facebook and Twitter and all that. Um, we didn't even have a logo till a month ago, but, you know, we were able to get almost uh, 30 people ticketed without all the things I, like, I don't have a business card of anything, right? Just get moving, just get started. Uh, because the time you waste pontificating and thinking 
is basically paralyzed time that she could have used to, to gain a client or do an iteration on a product or, or what have you. Hmm. Um, one of the other things I want to bring up again, kind of with the just get started is you decided at some point that you want to, you want to write. And by the way, a fantastic book, um, a solid handshake. I've read it and, uh, and it's short, concise, and there's a lot of good insights there, but why did you decide to, because again, going back to, Hey, successful software executive, you didn't need to write a book. Mm. Why did you decide to go down that path? Um, to write? Yeah. So, um, the, the story of that book's actually a, a pretty funny one. Um, uh, I have been a mentor to a lot of people um, in the software space. And one day after someone hearing the same story, the third or fourth time said, you know, you really just ought to write a book because you've got so many of these stories. They're interesting. Um, There's a lesson in them. You got to just put it all in a book and just hand it to somebody. And, you know, instead of, you know, uh, spending a lot of time telling the stories and I was like, okay, well, it just so happened that I had uh, an opportunity to, to take a little bit of a sabbatical in between gigs, and it was rainy, and I just started writing. And uh, the result was, you know, the hundred and some pages of that book, um, you know, and I didn't make any money at it. Uh, it wasn't meant to make money at, really. It was just uh, something to, to do and to get out there and satisfy an itch. Uh, but it did pretty well. I was on the Amazon Hot 100 business uh, list for about 35 days. For the joke that my mom then ran out of money and stopped buying the books. But you know, every once in a while, you know, I'll probably sell five, ten copies a month still. Is there? I mean, there's a lot of good lessons in there. Is there anything? I mean, I love the story about basically the title, right? Uh, you know, as you as a kid. But uh, is there any story you would share from there that may be impactful? You know, especially for again the audience here that is trying to get over a lot of that fear and anxiety to get started that, you know, that needs some extra motivation, uh, maybe to get out on their own. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Probably not a lot of stories about getting started as an entrepreneur in that book, but I think one of the, the lessons that probably is even more impactful today is that we live in a 24 by seven fully wired for video and sound and social networking environment. And, uh, you know, I've told my kids this, I've told others, you have to assume anything you say or do uh, will get broadcast somewhere on a screen and be really thoughtful about what you're doing out there because it might come back to bite you in the butt. And I think that's, you know, solid handshake in a nutshell, like, don't be anything you wouldn't be proud of seeing on the front page of, you know, a newspaper or, you know, showing up in somebody's video feed. Yeah. Have, um, you know, all, and all the times I've talked to you, you seem very confident, right? Just probably things you've been through, what have you. Did you ever have any, did you have a lot of fear or anxiety with, um, with doing anything that you've done oh, throughout yeah. your career? Oh yeah. Well, um, it's all smoke and mirrors on the confidence thing. I go through imposter syndrome, you know, moments, just like every other human being on the face of the planet where, you know, I always think I'm the dumbest person at the table. I always think I'm the weakest at this or, you know, um, whether it's, you know, job interviews or working with boards or, uh, athletics, I have those moments. 
I, I got to tell you, uh, probably, you know, the one that most people can get their heads wrapped around, you know, I've, I've given speeches in front of tens and hundreds and thousands of people, but that for that 15 minutes before that speech and sweat bullets, butterflies, as big as 747s, et cetera. Like, uh, I, I totally get nervous when I speak in front of people. Why do you, I'm why do you think that is? probably not all that nervous. Like, uh, one of the things I've learned through age and experience is like going in, let's pretend you're interviewing me uh, for a job or um, trying to, uh, you know, trying to get uh, a partnership with you or something. Those moments now don't bother me like they might have 15, 20 years ago. Because I've gotten into my head, like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Brian says, no, you're not the candidate for the job. And uh, we need to find somebody else. Okay, I, I didn't lose anything, right? Right. Um, so, but, it, but those little tactile moments like speeches, oh my gosh. Is there a reason, though, those bother you? Is, do, do, have you tried to pinpoint, like, why do you get nervous or why do you I want to deliver. Yeah, I am so, like, I know, like, I never want to waste people's time. And I'm getting in front, you know, let's, let's say it was uh, Dude Solutions, you know, 600 and some employees. Like, that's 1,200 eyeballs. That's 1,200 people that could be doing, uh, excuse me, 600 people that could be doing something productive for an hour. I don't want to waste their time and I don't want to fail them. And so that's where that... Um, that's where those butterflies and nervousness comes from. Cause I, I, you know, people are looking up at you uh, as a leader and you don't want to let them down. Yeah. Well, I want to chat a little bit about um, support systems. They're very important as we all know, and, and it comes up almost every episode here. So you mentioned earlier about how you're a mentor to a lot of people. Can you share about how others have been mentors for you growing up and maybe the positive support systems you've put in your life and, and maybe how you've put them in your life? For sure. So I, um, I have been super fortunate uh, in my career to have interfaced and worked for, worked with, worked uh, side by side with some really awesome people. And, you know, um, mentors in business, mentors in athletics, mentors in whatever I do. And so, uh, you know, there's four or five key ones um, that all delivered a, a message at the right time. I, I think one of the biggest mentors that folks overlook is, uh, you know, uh, $19.95 worth of four or five hours worth of knowledge that somebody else put into page that you can, you know, access at your leisure and, and soak in at your leisure. You know, think about, you know, folks like Warren Buffett or others who, you know, have written a, a few things or had things written on them. Like where else are you going to get four hours with Warren, but Warren Buffett, except in a book, right? right? Podcasts, you know, I picked up a few things off of some of your podcasts already. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm often saying I never actually have an, an idea of my own, but I sure as heck know when to rip off good ones from other folks. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's good. And I think you're right. I mean, it's, it's something I've actually, you know, I jokingly say I've, I've read probably the more, more books in the last 18 months than I have in my entire life. Cause I've made that a point to actually read. I'll read before bed, you know, as part of my bedtime yep. routine and stuff. And it is amazing how much stuff you pick up from that, you know, where I may not get to talk with those individuals or they're not around anymore where I can talk to them, you know? Right. So, um, 
I want to talk a little bit about kind of, so we, we're talking about a lot of positives and, and those type of things, but what, what about the moments of despair? What about mm-hmm. the moments when you're not feeling up to par, when you're not feeling, you know, maybe you've gone through something difficult. How do you handle that? How do you kind of bounce back, um, you know, to, to your normal version of yourself, if you will? Is there any practices you put into play? Is there any habits you've formed over the years? Sure. Yeah. Um, we all go through up and down cycles. Um, sometimes you don't even recognize what part of the cycle you're in until you're, you know, a day or two past it and it's too late. Um, I, uh, I typically like to ask myself questions like, am I going to care about this or even remember this a year from now? And if the answer is no, I find that sometimes helps me dig myself out of the hole. The other thing I do is I try to immerse myself in situations where I have to put the mask on that everything's okay. Cause they often say, you know, when you, when you sort of act in a certain way, you, your mind leads your body into that direction. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I've had a lot of, you know, tough things happen um, through the years, but boy, uh, I'm meeting with Brian right now and I better be on cause he, his expectation is I'm on. He doesn't care that whatever happened yesterday or the day before for me, I've got one moment with Brian right now and I better be on. So I think those types of things help. Um, uh, I'm a big reader of uh, stoic type uh, um, nice. books, you know, whether it's Marcus Aurelius or Pittacus, whatever. Um, you know, Ryan Holiday's got a bunch of good stuff out there. But I've, I find, you know, uh, a lot of wisdom and solace uh, in sort of that mentality of, you know, this too shall pass. There's ups, there's downs, just ride through it. Yep. Uh, that's, that's pretty much what's guided me the last five, 10 years. How did you get into, I, I've been getting into stoicism last handful of years. How did you get into that? How did you uncover it? I can't remember where it was a book or a podcast. I uh, was introduced to uh, principles, not principles, um, meditations, uh, oh, yeah. Marcus Aurelius and, uh, I picked it up. Uh, I got a good version of it that was mostly really readable and I was captured. And I think if I uh, have to find that original book, but that thing, you might as well have just dipped it into a bin of highlighter ink because through the course of, you know, 15 or so readings, you know, I've got yellow highlighter, blue highlighter, pencil, pen, notes, scribbles, coffee stains, whatever um, in it. And I've really learned from it. That's actually a good question. I wasn't even thinking of bringing that up, but now that you mentioned it, I'm kind of curious. Like I always have trouble when I read because partly I'm reading just for pleasure. Like I'm trying to learn, just pick up some things, but I always like wonder, am I missing out on a lot of things? So you're talking about highlighting in different colors. I've never, I guess, been able to get into that or not know how to get into that. Is there any technique that you've learned that makes it so that you can remember a lot more or maybe to go back and and know the spots to look at as a refresher? So, um, yeah, a little bit of clarity on the different colors of highlighting. It's because I've read the book so many times and whatever color highlighter I had in my hand at the moment, okay. that's, All right. there's, no, there's no system to okay. the, uh, uh, to the color coding, but I will say uh, a couple things I've done through the years that seem to have helped me, um, Kindle, there is a way that you can print out all of your highlighted sections, um, Lee Lee Prevo actually showed me how to do Mm -hmm. it. And so when I've really read something and I want to perhaps 
introduce some of those thoughts into a practice or into a speech or something else, I'll go to that Kindle process and print out all the notes that I might have highlighted from a couple of books in, in, in Starm. The other thing I, I have done, I will say I have fallen out of the practice, um, is I used to go through and um, copy and paste all of the notes that I've made into like a notebook, almost like a, a note section mm -hmm. and, and do it that way. But I haven't done that in years. Um, I'm a big, I, I can't remember who said it. I'd rather read 10 books a hundred times than a, a thousand different books or something like that. Because I think there is some wisdom that you gain really marinating in something that has touched you or reached your brain in a specific way versus just quantities of books. Yeah. Um, I'm curious how you'll answer this. I want to, I want to ask you this question because you, you've had a lot of different life experiences. Mm -hmm. What's been the biggest teacher? What life experience has been the biggest teacher for you? Um, and what did you learn from it? Every time that's a good question. And, uh, somebody else asked me this the other day. Um, every time my, uh, view of myself is drastically altered by gaining some reality as shared by somebody else. Like, you know, Hey Ed, you thought you were doing right by X, Y, Z. Well, here's actually how other people saw that, that forced moment where your, your self-impression matches up with reality. And you're like, Oh crap, I blew it. I didn't even realize I blew it, but I blew it. And I've had multiple instances of that in my life and in my career. And every time it's one of those mallet to the head, like you knucklehead, really? Why, why did you kid yourself into that? Yeah, actually, I think it would, and it might've been even today, but um, one of the, you know, the daily stoic um, that Ryan puts out, I, it was something around like, you know, when you, um, when what you hear is not the pers perspective could be different. And it's also, what you say to people and how they receive it um, and vice versa. So it's like, just because, you know, you might hear something from you know someone else and it's like, how do you actually, um, it's a little different maybe than what you're saying, but like, how do you actually compartmentalize it and make sure that you're receiving the message properly? And so it's yeah. almost like stepping out of yourself a little bit, kind of making a little more sound understanding versus just, you know, reaction or reacting a little bit. So a little different than what you're saying, but I, I don't know why that triggered my, my thought. Yeah, I, I get that uh, email as well. I have to go back and look. But, you know, there, there's been a couple of times, and I, and I would encourage any listener that is given the opportunity um, by their employer or decide to go about it on their own to get a multi-viewed 360 of themselves as other people see them, where you think you are, both good and bad, uh, versus what other folks see and perceive that mismatch is always, um, it, you know, no crap moment. It really is. What, what have you found that you have to work on then? What do you, where's your, where, what have people told you that is like, Hey, Ed, there's some, there's some things you should consider anything in particular of. Yeah. I mean, I, probably the most life changing or career changing one for me was, um, I, uh, went to, uh, center of creative leadership probably 10, 12 years ago. And as part of that, they do mass interviews with people, you know, 10 or 12 people in your circle. And I thought I was a very 
compassionate, um, high EQ leader at that point in my career. And the feedback that I got back from those interviews was everything but, and I felt horrible as a human being. And I said about it that moment with, with some ups and downs, obviously I'm human like anybody else, uh, to change you know, that sort of mentality. And so that was probably the biggest one I've had uh, mm-hmm. in, my, in my career. And were there certain things that, because I'm assuming that was a longer path to, to change those, right? Those were probably like ingrained in you. Uh, it, was there certain practices you did or certain things that, you know, kind of helped you change that to be more of a um, compassionate leader? Because I, I mean, I think when you were, you know, dude, I think you were very compassionate. So, I don't, you know, obviously you changed. Yeah, How did you it, do took it? A, it took a long time. So, you know, um, first off, developing better listening skills. I was one of those people that always thought it had the, the right answer for everything and knew the best way to do everything. And, you know, I think uh, that listening skills and also um, meeting people where they are versus where you want them to be. Because mm-hmm. um, when you meet people where they are and, and sort of help them, you know, pull them, push them, cajole them, move them, motivate them, into where you want them to be, that always is a better outcome versus, uh, you know, versus just grinding people out because they failed your standard, but that they might not have had the tools or experiences to, to actually get to. So I want to ask you, so you got to go back to your, your teenage self here. Okay. So this is yep. where you can, you can impart a piece of wisdom. It's something you could have mentioned already, but if you could only give one piece of advice to your younger self, again, I like to say teenage years, maybe a little younger, and you only have a post-it note to write it on. So it's very concise, something they can you know, put on their computer um, and kind of see every day to, to power them going forward. What, what advice would you give to them and why? I, I would say it's, it's two words, be bold. Um, I look back and wish I had asked for XYZ or, or pushed harder on XYZ. Um, and in retrospect, areas in my life or career where I uh, have not looked up to what I thought I could do is always because I wasn't asking for the order or asking for the next appointment or just assuming that I wasn't qualified or, or what have you to do uh, what was in front of me. So I would just encourage my, myself um, you know, at that age to be more bold and don't take no for an answer, keep moving forward. It took me a long time to figure that out. And I'm not yeah. sure I figured it out. Well, I think it's all part of that discovery process, right? We're all learning each experience. And, and that's part, you know, something I've learned the last few years is like that self-awareness piece. I think that, you know, that phrase, that word gets thrown around all the time, but it's actually sitting in thought and really being hard on yourself of like, where do I have to improve or the things that I do do well, let's keep doing those. Yep. And let's bring that to the world even more um, and let that shine through. Um, so I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, the thing I would say is you, you got to change it up too and continue to push yourself. Otherwise, you'll end up to be some sort of real version in your career of like Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite, where you're reliving, you know, the, the high school championship game for the rest of your life. Right. You create new high school championship games every year of your life. Yeah. 
And this has been a blast. Um, I, I really appreciate getting you on here and sharing some of your stories. I, I, we probably could talk for two more hours, but uh, where could everyone connect with you? So where, where can, if they want to send a note, drop you a line, um, sure. where can they connect with the Holidays for Heroes stuff? Yeah, probably the best way to go would be uh, Ed Rosich, R-O-S-H-I-T-S-H at LinkedIn. Um, they're also Holidays for Heroes, Holidays for the Heroes at LinkedIn. Um, those are probably the two easiest, uh, bestest ways to see what I'm doing and also communicate if you don't have my email address. Or you can just tag me at erosich at yahoo.com. And, and for those folks that want to, like, would they submit a name for the Holidays for Heroes? If they yeah, have someone, so have how does a- that work? Yeah, so we have a website, holidaysfortheheroes.org. Um, if you're in active duty and want to get home for the holidays, there's a button that says I'm active duty and I want to get home. Hit that. There's a little form that drops in and then we take care of the rest. Um, if you wish to support us, there's a donate button on our website. Uh, any denomination, welcome. We appreciate every donation. Um, if you end up purchasing a full ticket, um, which is 600 bucks more or less, uh, we'll send you one of these handy dandy holidays for the heroes t-shirts. Oh, nice. Got one on the way for you, Brian, by the way. Thanks that I appreciate. I, you know, I always learn a ton from our conversations. I always, uh, always appreciate the depth you go to. So I'm, I'm certainly appreciative of you coming on here and, uh, and sharing your journey a little bit. No, thanks for having me. I, I really love your podcast. You've, uh, you're really coming a long way with it. Good stuff. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview, and thanks again for stopping by. Um, If you wanted to connect further, please head over to my website, brianondraco.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-O-N-D-R-A-K-O.com, as well as connect with me on Instagram or Twitter, at brianondraco, or search me on LinkedIn, just brianondraco. I hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. (music) Oh, 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 o